Amen. Awesome. You may be seated. Praise God. Awesome to be with you. So grateful for each one of you. We're going to have the kids, if you want youth, uh, you'll be dismissed into the back there. I believe Miss Jennifer's back there. Um, if you want to go 6th through 12th grade, we also have youth on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock now. So if you want to join us then, that'd be awesome. Uh, you can go on back and thank you, Miss Jennifer, as you're taking them down. Hey, church, do you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? So the reason we ask that question is, always, uh, and we're invited by God to ask and pray, right? Where he invites us to do that. But when we ask about no agenda, as you know, it's not just a give God a to-do list and then go on your way. We want to spend time with him. He wants to be with us. He loves us. We were just singing about that. It's amazing. And when you spend time with him that's not about you, it's going to transform you amazing and that's what that means just to be alone with him do you know what the holy spirit's saying to you that was the next question sorry just kind of threw that in there i don't know if you were not there with me but i'm gonna ask that one again do you know what the holy spirit is saying to you we're gonna talk about that today so maybe we need some help are you given as god has asked you to give in your time talents and resources share jesus with someone this week you invite someone to church today awesome Glad that you are here and glad to be here with you. There's no other place I'd rather be than right here. God is amazing, and I love to worship him and to be with you. God has blessed me in so many, many ways, and uh, so I want to thank you all. A few weeks ago, you know, uh, you gave me um, a little doctor coat and uh, some gift uh, to say thank you as I accomplished uh, finishing my doctorate, and I wanted to say thank you to all of you and that I love you, and we're always a student. And even though in the educational world, you get to the doctoral level and there's nothing above that educational-wise, no degrees or anything, you have a lifetime to learn. And we are always students, no matter what uh, level of education you may have had out there in society, we're all called by God to a higher education than anything this world ever offers. And that is to know the living God and allow Him to transform us and renew our thoughts and give us wisdom that is not available in this world. So thank you. And let's keep growing together, okay? Yeah, let's do it. So the other thing I want to say is thank you to Pastor Mike. What a phenomenal job God did through him. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, my wife and I got to watch the service online. I don't get that opportunity very often live. We watch it, you know, sometimes through the week to just check things. And uh, I wanted to say thank you to our tech team. They're always challenged. You know how tech is. You know your phones and your devices. There's always glitches, challenges you got to deal with. And they do a phenomenal job to uh, uh, get the Word of God out to the world that is out there. And uh, you all did an amazing job. Pastor Mike was just an absolute vessel in God's hands. I was so blessed by the message and by the worship and everything that happened. I'm just humbled. And I definitely know that we need to have Pastor Mike do that more frequently than I have currently used him, uh, allowed him, I should say, to be used by God. And he is a gifted uh, communicator as well as a worship uh, leader with our team, so I'm grateful to him. And uh, yes, our whole team, as they come out from the back room, we just want to say we love you. Thank you. Thank you all. My niece and nephew there at the end. I uh, love you guys. Uh, so I'm saying something about that right now because, you know, as the songs are selected, we have a worship team and a group that leads that as they pray and uh, do that. And there's Pastor Mike. I thought you were supposed to be coming. I didn't know if they left you in there or what, but yeah, come on. Uh, 
they are uh, uh, definitely in tune with the Spirit of God as I was listening to the music today and how God was already speaking to me about the message and what it is. I love it. And uh, my good friend Philip talked to me before service today, and I love you, buddy. And I was like, God, you know, you picked those songs not just for Philip, but just for Philip. You're welcome. God's amazing. He's amazing. Seriously. I mean, he was just sharing with me beforehand, and I was just like, there you go, God. It's right here. He's like, here I am. <laughs> he shows up in so many ways and so many different ways. God's incredible. I want you all to know that as I was gone last week with my wife and celebrating our 40th anniversary that, yeah, 40 years, is, it's pretty incredible. I'm kind of intimidated by that myself. I'm thinking there's no way. That's 40 years. It's amazing. And it's like time... It's just crazy. You know, uh, I want you to know that she is an amazing, amazing woman, not just because she stayed with me 40 years. That is something amazing right there. Uh, I, I tell everybody jokingly, but I pick up prayer partners for my wife everywhere I go. Everybody's like, oh, dear God, help that woman. <laughs> but anyway, that's how she's made it all these years. But I want you to know that I, I would not be here without her. I know Jesus is my savior and he's the one that saved me but god used her <laughs> in such an amazing way being a preacher's kid growing up in the church having all the issues that i had my choices that i made in response to things that i didn't like in my life i was hard to god i was hard to the world i hated people i mean literally people i didn't even know i hated them because I had a hard heart and I was angry. I grew to hate my father, who was the pastor. I did not hate God. I didn't like him. I didn't like the church. I didn't like what it did to me. I chose to harden myself against everything that God offered me. And as a result of that, in my life, I had become a very bitter person. Someone asked me one day if I ever smiled. I didn't even know I never smiled. And, uh, you know, I kind of was, of course, offended <laughs> that they would ask that because, you know, they were a jerk anyway. So, <laughs> in that opinion, right, before Jesus, I was not happy. And I met this young girl named Kimberly who lived down the street from us all of her life, all of my life since I was four. Their family was at the same address one block apart, I could see her house all my life. As I grew up there, God had me bump into this little cheerleader at the age of 15. She was, and I was 16. What I didn't know about her was she was raised by a father who claimed to be an atheist, and she was not allowed to go to church. She asked him if she could go to church when she was a kid, and he said no. And he said, when you get old enough, you can make that decision for yourself. She did. <laughs> She started to date me, which, you know, she was young and naive. Uh, and so she started dating me at the age of 15, and I was 16. And she wanted to know about God. <laughs> and I didn't want to know about God because I knew about him. And what I perceived God to be was a problem in my life. The, the reason for all the afflictions that I felt were as a result of being in a pastor's home in a church and God was the reason I was angry. That's the way I perceived it. Kim, on the other hand, 
was, had this <laughs> hunger inside of her to know God, she was asking me questions all the time. Most of our conversations were about God in the Bible and church. <laughs> well, you know, of course I like this girl. She was beautiful. She was hot, if you will. She was like, she's amazing. And uh, so, of course, I'm going to impress her with my wisdom. Because <laughs> I knew all the Bible stories. I was raised in the church. I read all the little biblical comics. They were called picks in those days, and they actually handed them out, and I knew all of them. So I knew all the stories. I knew the answers. Things I didn't know, she would ask my mom. And she had this incredible hunger to know God. And so God used her <laughs> to soften my heart and heart because my heart was hard. And together, in her senior year of high school, when she was 18 years old, you know, when a lot of kids are going offline and going wacko, she turned her life over to Jesus Christ with me. And God used her in my life to bring me that point where I would surrender to him. And he did something miraculous. He crushed <laughs> my stony heart. <laughs> I think he kind of wrung it a little bit because I haven't been able to stop with the emotions since that day. <laughs> Man, I was emotionless before that, and the only emotion I felt was towards Kim, and it was fleshly, lustful love. I want you to know that because I didn't know God. Did I have emotions for her? Yeah. That was the only one I had, though. Everything else was dead. But God brought her into my life, and for 40 years we have served him together and served his church, and I mean, I, I seriously, I want you to know that I am so blessed and humbled that God would use her in my life, and that, you know, she is like out of my league, and a lot of people ask me, how did you ever marry her, and she's, you know, and all, I've had, I seriously, I had a couple pastor friends that are like, how did you ever get her? I was like, she was young and didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> And then once she committed to Jesus, she was committed to me. She couldn't change it. <laughs> so here we are, 40 years later, celebrating life together and just humbled and blessed as can be, man. You know, I mean, God's incredible. I want to, yeah, he is. He's amazing. So there's, I'm not just talking about our anniversary to talk about our anniversary or Kim or anything like that. I want to talk to you about that aspect of love how that hard heart gets transformed, what God does and how it works. Also, we need to see how that hard heart is developed in the first place. So when we look into the word of God, it always has the answer. So I want to read a, a chapter, uh, a few verses out of the first chapter of Romans. And as I get ready to do that, I want you to know that the, the letter to the Romans was in a pagan culture um, non-Christian Rome, uh, anti-Christian Rome. And as this letter comes to the Christians that are living in that place, much like we are today in America, I want you to hear the word. Listen to God's word as we read it together. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God 
shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Did you just hear that? It's important that we heard that as we're moving along. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Come on, man. It's right here in God's word. He's talking to us about several things here, church. God is speaking to us, and he's telling us first and foremost, the thing that is the most important for us as believers, Christians should be bold about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not ashamed. We are not chameleon Christians. We don't blend into whatever environment we're in. We need to stand out wherever we are. I come from Michigan, you know. I was raised in both of us, obviously, my wife, in the Detroit, Michigan area, and I never had lizards. We have winter. Lizards don't live in the winter. We don't have rattlesnakes either, or scorpions, or tarantulas, or any of the other stuff that you guys got out here, right? So here we are in Michigan, right? And, <laughs> oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. We need to get on with this. Let's move along. I was going to say something I don't need to say. So let's do this. Um, when I came here in, in the Tucson, when we moved out here, you know, there's lizards everywhere. And I had heard about them. I saw them one time on a vacation in Florida. But, like, you only see a couple of them. And then I come here, and they're everywhere. They're all over the place. I've had them in my house even. You know, my dog carries them in and drops them on the floor for us. You know, it's like crazy. But I saw a chameleon in person for the first time, and as I watched that, it was amazing. Crawling from one spot to another and how it transforms Hey, man, you're not supposed to be like that if you're a Christian. I mean, if you're trying to blend into the crowd you're in, shame on you. God has called us to not be ashamed and to be the light to the world, and the world is dark, and you ought to stand out when you step into that room. You shouldn't blend in. And as I look in the Word of God, what we've been challenged right there with is this is exactly what he's writing to the church. He's like, I'm not ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Stand out in that negative anti-Christ culture that you live in and be bold about your faith in Jesus Christ. We need to do that here in America. We live in an anti-Christ environment in our nation today. If you don't know that, then you are definitely a chameleon in your brain. You need to wake up and see that there, everything that is out there is anti-Christ, anti-God, and self-sustaining self-God. And we need to wake up in the church of Jesus Christ in America and be bold and unashamed in our faith of who Jesus Christ is and step up. We need to not hide our faith. And that was the very first challenge that was presented to us from the Word of God. He tells us also in that passage, it says that our salvation is by faith and it is God that has made us right in His sight. It doesn't matter about everybody else's sight. What matters is God's sight. And he says the only thing that makes us right with him is that faith in Jesus Christ and that faith being lived in Jesus Christ before him. God knows. You can fake yourself being a Christian here. It's pretty easy. You come into church, you have a smile on your face, shake someone's hand, raise your hand every once in a while, song, say amen, go home. People will think you're a Christian. Pretty easy. doesn't fool God at all. You can say anything you want to. You can raise your hand. You can be the loudest praiser in the church. Doesn't mean anything's right with God. Doesn't. Now, I'm not telling you to be quiet. Listen, I want us to say that God knows us. 
And we need to be bold about our faith. And he knows that salvation is by faith alone and sharing that good news with others. So we also see in this passage those who are not living right have suppressed the truth by continuing to live in their own sinful choices. It's amazing when I read that scripture, you see, that it says that they, they have suppressed that by their own wicked choices. So it's like the Spirit of God. Remember on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on all flesh. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit indwelled all flesh. It said fell upon all flesh, and he came into the world to convict the world of sin. Okay? Only believers receive the Holy Spirit inside of them to convict us to live righteously. There's the difference. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do those things. Now, as we think about it then, since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has fallen upon all flesh, and therefore the conviction of God is on all flesh. This is why in Romans we just read there that if you just see the earth and the skies above, you can't deny there's a God. It's right there in front of your face. All right, so now as we sit here today, all of us that are here, we know God's word. If this is your first Sunday here, you're hearing God's word, so you have no excuses. But church, as we listen to this, see, the Holy Spirit comes with conviction. And therefore, people that live wrongly or make wrong choices do so by suppressing the conviction of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's faithful, and he's like, don't do that. If you're a Christian today, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you know it, you know this. Before you ever made that decision, there was a knowledge inside of you that you shouldn't make that decision. However, you ignored that, and you made that decision anyway. See, that's what God's Word's talking about. They chose that decision by suppressing the truth. God's trying to reveal truth to us, like, don't do that. We don't care what God has to say, therefore we do our thing anyway. And so as we step across that line, when I go from my own willful choices Remember early when I was talking about earlier, when I said about my own life, I can tell you sob stories and make it sound t- terrible that my life was horrible and I was a, a, you know, all kinds of problems in my life. I can tell you all that and I can justify my wrong choices. The truth of the matter is I knew the right choices to make and I didn't. And I didn't make those choices because I allowed myself to grow angry at all those other things that I see And so my choice was to say no to all of it and say yes to me. But see, God didn't just like abandon me to make those choices before I ever made the very first choice to say no. The Holy Spirit was convicting me and I said no to him. Suppressing the truth, stepping into my own choice. And from that choice, there were many choices. And the more choices that I made, the harder my heart grew so that I did not know the truth any longer. Did I know the truth? Absolutely. Did I care? Not at all. Because my heart grew hard. And so as we listen to the Word of God and He's talking to us about this, it's like, ooh, man, the Holy Spirit is so critically important that we hear the Holy Spirit, that we obey the Spirit when He gives us that conviction, that movement, that call, and that we don't step across that line and make our own choices anyway. People choose to go past conviction and live in our own choices, even knowing full well choosing to do the wrong thing is the wrong thing. People ask me about, you know, when oftentimes I don't, 
obviously I don't look like a pastor, whatever that's supposed to look like. I've had people say that. You don't look like a pastor. I say, well, what do they look like? I don't know. <laughs> I am one, so evidently I look like a pastor. All right, but anyway, most people say you don't look like a pastor. Uh, even with my hair cut, sometimes they say that. I'm going to get one soon. Um, but anyway, um, here's the deal. Like, so they're like, oh, you're a pastor. So what about people? Because see, they want to justify themselves because they've already know they're not doing right. You know how that happens? Like, I'm not going to church. I don't do that. I don't believe in that. Well, you know, if God's loving and all this, well, what about people that never heard about Jesus? Is he going to throw them into hell? This word just now answered that question. The, the verses that we just read, right? So these verses tell you there's more than enough knowledge available by looking around you in this world, looking up into the sky to be like, there is a God. Whether you know his name is God, whether you know he is the Holy Spirit, that he is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, you may not know those words, but you know there's a God. And you know that you are not him. And you know that you need to submit to him, whoever he may be to you. And you know that, right? I mean, God's word says this to us right here. There is no excuse for anyone. And anybody that believes that this amazing creation called planet Earth and the whole sky and galaxies above us just came into existence as a fool. And I don't say that lightly because God says they are and he laughs at them. All of our intelligent people of the world who talk about how, how millions and billions of years ago this thing just started to happen, it's like, man, you are so stupid. It's unbelievable that you could ever imagine that this perfection came about by its own means. And God's like, no, there is a testimony that's out there that all you got to do is look. And it's like, whoa, there's a God. Man, you look at everything that's happening, the way the tides work with the moon, the way the waters move in and move out, how the planets and all that go around in their perfect symmetry coming around our planet and all these things that matter that give us life. He's amazing. God is incredible, and it speaks to us all the time. Later today, read Psalm 19. He talks about how God reveals himself every day, speaking in every language in creation. He's amazing. He's so awesome. So I want you to know that God's available to everybody, and it's our responsibility to know his name and who he is and what he's done for us. They may be serving him without a full knowledge of who he is. We need to reveal that truth to them so they can worship him in the fullness of truth, right? Okay, but God's faithful. He's right there. He's telling us. It's right there, man. I am telling you that God is faithful. He is God, and there is no one on planet earth that can't see that he is. No one. God's word says so. All right. Now let's come back to us for a minute. Here's a problem. Some of us as well as some of our friends and family, have ignored all the obvious signs of God. We have chosen to ignore it. We've ignored the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is saying, I am God. Don't do that. You need to do this. Now I want you to know that as you listen this morning, <laughs> the Holy Spirit I already know, is here, present, and moving. I know that. God's word is faithful. And you need to listen to the Holy Spirit as he moves and stirs our hearts today. See, God's not going to change his standard to accommodate me and you. And sometimes we can kind of think that some of the stuff is okay, 
that I've made wrong choices in because I still feel emotional. Mm-mm, it's not okay. Let's read some word of God, the Word of God again in Romans chapter 2. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Oh, so His love and His kindness doesn't mean that you're okay with Him. It means that He's trying to get you to be okay with Him. That's pretty cool. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. Uh Uh-oh, did you hear that again? Our life matters. It's not a one-time prayer thing. Those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. He's amazing, isn't he? Hey, how you live in your life matters. The choices you make today matter. And you need to do it God's way, not your way. And don't think that your way is God's way because you want it to be. And God's saying, look, I am storing up judgment. Just because I'm not whacking you today doesn't mean you're not going to get whacked. It's what he just told us. He said, I'm storing it up. And the more you make your own choices, the bigger the whack's going to be. Just read it right there, right? All right, so now as we're looking in this, listen to what God's word says. I keep reading. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. Oh, I thought going to church was enough. Nope. (laughs) It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it even without having heard it. Oh, so you mean we're saying yes to the conscience, conviction, even if we don't even know him. Yep. And God's saying that conviction is there and they know it. And so they're obeying the law of God by simply doing what he is prompting them in their heart to do, which is the right thing. And we know it. It's right there. So even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Oh, man. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing how God's Word just brings truth to the light. 
Man, it's so crazy. People have hardened their hearts in the midst of God's grace and mercy, thinking to themselves that they are not being judged, so they convince themselves to continue in their own choices and that everything is going to be okay, ignoring conviction that came in the first decision to go beyond what God has already told them. And the more we go further, the harder the heart grows, and the more we think we're okay. And yet we know we're not. I have had the unfortunate privilege of trying to help fallen pastors that I have known in my life. Remember the continuing to do right? Just because they're a pastor doesn't mean they continue to do right. They make wrong choices too. It's not okay. And what happens, I know this because I've worked with some of them even after the fact trying to get them to repent and live right. And what happens is this deception of self. Because once you cross that line, your heart becomes hardened towards that. And I watched as this individual, I did not know about that decision, by the way, when it, when it happened, but they had an affair. And they were still pastoring the church. And see, God was doing stuff in people's lives because God's faithful to his word. It's not the messenger, it's the message. And so God was changing people's lives even while this guy was living in sin. And so we can fool ourselves and think, well, obviously everything's okay because God's still working. See, remember the scriptures we said, but God's like, he's, he's kind and compassionate trying to get us to turn from our sin, trying to get him to see, like, I'm God and you're not right but we willfully step across that line. Our heart grows hard, and pretty soon, everything falls apart. And it did, and it always does. The Word of God says, be sure your sin will find you out. You can't just hide stuff and think it's never going to come about. And it's going to happen, whether it's in this life or the life to come, because he says right there in the Word of God that judgment is being stored up. So the more that we continue down that, suppressing the spirit and doing our own thing and making wicked choices, ooh, the judgment of God is growing. So we have to stop convincing ourselves that our choices are his choices. And the way we do that is to start being honest and obedient to the spirit's pricking of our soul. And so as we do, I want us to see a picture here that's pretty important for us to look at because when you're stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin, um, it's because we've disobeyed what God has said in the first place, right? We were just reading scriptures about that. And so what you have on the screen in front of you, there's a team of oxen, which is how for eons, farmers plowed their fields. And what you notice as you look at the picture there is... Um, well, you can look at that one, not that one. They're both do the same thing, but I can't see that one very well. He has one hand on the plow and one hand on a stick, right? Okay. So as we're going along here, um, he may have two hands on, but this guy only has one, and that's the way they normally drive them because the, the farmer's not doing the work the oxen are, right? The only thing that farmer's doing is guiding the team and giving them direction, the oxen themselves have to be obedient to the direction given. So when you read the scriptures and you see that you'll see terms used in God's word that talk about stiff-necked 
and hardened hearts and things like this. It comes from the day in which the people lived, which we don't live in that day, and most of us don't even know what that is. But what's there is you see that he has one hand on the plow giving direction, and the other hand is an ox goad. And so it's rounded on one side, but it's got a little metal point usually on the other side, like a spear. And so what's happening here is when an ox is stubborn or stiff-necked, resisting against the direction given, the first prompt is the bump of the prick. (laughs) So it's like, you're going to turn here. I'm going to go straight. You're going to turn here. I'm going to go straight. Jab. You want to turn now? No. Jab. Stiff-necked. You know what the ox does? They call it that because there's that resistance. You know, you've seen a kid that's got a little bit of a temper problem, right? When you're trying to correct them, you know how they tense up? It's exactly what he's talking about here, that stubborn, stiff-necked, like, no. And you know what they can do at times is when they're really stubborn is they kick against it. Now, how do you think that's going to work when there's a point sticking at you, poking you, and you're going to kick it? Going to be a little deeper pain, a little harder, right? Okay, but what happens is we can become calloused where we don't sense the pricks anymore, and we're not listening, and we're taking direction, and we're going to do our own thing. So it's important for us to get this because you see, church, When the Apostle Paul, prior to his conversion to Jesus, was doing a work for the church, not Jesus, a work for the church, he was very religious, and he opposed Christianity, he opposed Jesus as the the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he went out in the authority of the church to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And he was going out to put an end to this move of God that he saw as heresy. And so now, in Acts 26, Paul is called before the king to give an account because now he's being questioned as a follower of Jesus Christ. So what does he do? Paul says, I want to share with you how I turned and how my life changed in my Damascus Road experience, which you can read in Acts chapter 9. When we go here, I want you to see this. It's really cool how we listen to what he says here. This is Paul speaking to the king and to everybody in the court. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus. That was to destroy the church and arrest everybody that was serving Jesus. He put them to death, had them put to death. So I was on that mission. Armed with authority and the commission of the leading priests, about noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. All right, now, it's important for us to see this because When we look at this, this is the New Living Translation. So what this has done is it's putting it into our language to understand what's being said. So he was resisting what God was trying to say to him, right? Well, when you go back into the original languages and some of the earlier translations of Bible where they understood oxen and teams and what that meant, this is how that verse reads right there when he talks about this. Listen to it. Jesus is talking to Saul, and he says, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. See, he's like, 
Something's been pricking you, and you have been kicking against it, and you know you're not doing right. So in full knowledge of knowing that something wasn't right about what he was doing, he was willingly doing it anyway in the name of God. He was trying to justify his own actions based on what he thought was the right thing to do, even when something inside of him was telling him no. Man, church, you know how many people are doing that? I did that. I knew what God was saying, and I wanted what I wanted anyway. And I pushed against it, kicking those goads until I was so callous I didn't care about anybody. I had such a hard heart that I didn't like anyone except Kim. That's it. She's the only one I cared about. (laughs) See, what happens is the longer we go along and the harder our heart becomes, the bigger the mess, the harder it is to repent, to change. So in this testimony, what we hear from Paul himself is that Jesus just brought it to the forefront and said, look, man, you have been pushing against something inside of you, and you knew you were doing wrong, and you're doing it anyway. It's time to end. (laughs) So instead of ignoring it, this moment where the bright lights knock him down and he's blind, it's time to change. Some of us online and in this room right now, (laughs) we've been willingly ignoring the Holy Spirit's conviction to do what we want. Our own wicked choices, our own thing, Not surrendering to him, but trying to justify what we do, just like Paul was doing. We can even do religious things. Doesn't do us any good, because God knows. Remember the secret life. He knows. There's nothing hidden from his sight. God's amazing grace and mercy are the only thing that is allowing us to continue forward in our decisions without his wrath falling on us now, without his wrath falling now in judgment. It's his grace and mercy that's giving us this space, this time. And it's because he's trying to get us to turn from our sin and acknowledge him and what is the right thing to do instead of doing our thing. Church, we can't ignore the Holy Spirit. We can't bypass the convictions of God. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know what he is saying to us. This moment right now, whoever hears this message, whoever's listening to this voice right now, this is a Damascus Road moment where Jesus is calling us out. He is saying to both of us, stop resisting, surrender. It's time to be obedient to what God says, not your thing. I want to read Hebrews 3 to you. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Before I read any further, I want you to get that context. Did you hear what it just said? Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. So we're talking to people who know God and have a relationship with him. Right? Because he's saying, don't be deceived and turn away. Now let's keep reading it, what it says. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. 
For we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Do you remember what God would speak about Israelites in the wilderness? He would say they are stiff-necked people. They know me, and yet they do their own thing anyway. So he's referring to this right here. Listen, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God? Even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness, and to whom God <laughs> and to whom God was speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Let's just pause for a second and listen to the reference that we're given here in Hebrews, talking about the children of Israel. If you've never read the Exodus account, you've probably seen the movie, so you know this. God's word says that God's presence was with them physically in a cloud by day and fire by night, and he was guiding them. Not only did God guide them, but he performed miracle after miracle to provide for them food, water, protection, miracles. God did. And so here's what God said. He's like, even while they heard me, remember he spoke from the mountain, and they were terrified and said, Moses, you go talk to him. We can't hear this. We don't want to hear his voice. We'll just listen to you. Okay, so God says that even though they heard my voice, they saw my presence, they knew what I had done for them, they still rebelled and did what they wanted in their own hearts. Whole world saw them as God's people. Remember when he said, I'm bringing you out so that the world may know that I am God and you are my people. God said that. So the world knew they were following God. They knew that they were going in that direction, and yet none of them made it. Why? Because God looks on the heart. He knows. And even though people identified them as following God, because there he was, and people identified them as God's people because that was what they were called, they didn't make it. Huh. So God's speaking to us about our obedience to who he is and that he is God and we are not. Friends, we're on our action steps today and the reason why we're here right now is because you see, as we've been praying and God is giving us this moment, this is a Damascus Road moment where some of us have been just ignoring the Spirit of God. We haven't sensed the Spirit of God in long decades because people in the church sometimes can bid disobedience to God and they just continue in their religious behaviors because this is what we do and yet you don't know the Spirit of God at all. Some of us have just willingly turned our backs on him and done our own thing. And some of us are trying to follow him, and he's convicting us to do the right thing right now. Right? I mean, he's so faithful. So our first action step is always, have you repented of your sins, received Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith, and are you following him? If you're not, make today the day that you start that journey, because your journey is going to end up in hell if you're doing it your way. God's word says so. You have the right to choose. He's given you that free will. You can ignore him. You can suppress this message. You can say that's just his opinion. You can do whatever you want. It's on you. But why not listen to the Spirit and say yes to Jesus in your life? If you know Jesus, I'm going to ask you this. Has the Holy Spirit been pricking you about something 
you are doing or not doing in your life? Man, has it been a while since you sensed the presence of God? Since you've had that absolutely knowing your relationship with Him is good. Can you just look back for a moment? Have you ignored any of the pricks of the Holy Spirit? Is there something you are doing that God has already told you not to do, and you're doing it anyway? Today's the day to repent. See, what happens is all the wrath of God that's being stored up by our own wickedness and our sinful choices, he says, I mean, we read it to you, right? It says it's being stored up. Right now, grace and mercy are allowing us space to repent. But if we don't, there's going to be the wrath of God poured out on us. When we repent, that is poured out on Jesus instead. That's incredible. <laughs> that's what Jesus did for us. And that's what he wants to do. He desires that. That we would allow that, that wrath of God to be paid for by him. Not by us. And that's forgiveness. That's true grace and mercy in action. And that allows me and you to have a fleshly heart, a feel and sense the spirit of God moving and stirring in our hearts. Please don't harden your heart. Please don't. Please don't. I'm begging you. It's not a good journey. Would you stand with me? The altar's always open. I'm asking you, church, to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction in your own heart. Whatever it is that God is talking to you about, be faithful. I'm going to share one last thing I didn't share with the last service, but it's important about Kim and I's relationship. See, I wasn't walking with God. My heart was very hard towards God. And in that service, the night that we gave our lives to Christ, I said a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, I want to know you're there still. God, I don't want to go to hell. I just want to know you're there because I hadn't felt him in ever long, many years. At the end of that service, the Holy Spirit fell with conviction and tears were just flowing out of my eyes. And I was standing there trying to keep it together because she was standing next to me and I loved her. The devil said, if you go up there, she's going to think you're crazy and she's leaving you. I told you this before. It was in that very moment. Those words came so loud in my head that I felt that tug on this arm right here. And it was Kim and she looked up at me and said, let's go do this together. <laughs> Together we came and surrendered our life to Jesus. The enemy's a liar. He is telling you lies right now, trying to get you to say no to Jesus. I want you to know there is no better thing you could ever do than say yes to him. Nothing. I don't care what you think the cost is going to be. No. There is nothing more important than Jesus. Nothing. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the comforter, the paraclete, the presence of God. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming and being in the believer and convicting both the non-believer of sin and the believer of living a righteous life for you. <laughs> thank you, Father. You're so amazing. Thank you for grace and mercy that gives us this space to repent and turn from our sin. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin my willful, wicked choices upon yourself. 
Thank you, God, for taking my stony heart. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Holy Spirit, do your work. All of you that are responding to the Spirit of God in whatever way, you know exactly what he's talking to you about. You know the secret life is not a secret to him, and it's not to you. And so as you are being obedient to him, just be obedient. Whatever it is, say yes. He loves you. Thank you, God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you, church, for being here today. God bless you. He is an amazing God, isn't he? He loves us. He loves you. So good. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you so much.